You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Glad that we get to partner in with you for a Sunday together. Um, we are, I'm going to tell you, Bob, that's the, he's kept me really busy this weekend. Uh, which is all right. It's all right because he's fed me really well too, so that's good. Um, but we—he uh, has introduced me now three times, and each time, like we, you know, he's like tugging my heartstrings, and it's like, Bob, I don't need to be crying before I get up and talk. Um, but we love that we get to be here. It's the first time I've been able to come and see what God is doing since God has moved the Sippers and the family be able to come and serve his kingdom here. So we are, we are humbled that we get to be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, my bride and I, Heather, um, we have two little nuggets, uh, Caleb and Jocelyn. Uh, Caleb's first year in middle school, so that has been a brand new rhythm for us as we've been getting used to life with a middle schooler um, and the, you know all the extra things that go with that, maybe smells, I mean, whatever you, 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 get, you know, you know what I mean. Um, and the disciplines that he's having to learn that he doesn't want to learn, that's been kind of a new thing for us. And our little girl, Jocelyn, um, and she is a different uh, ball game altogether. Um, we really just need to put her like in a fence and like hang on to her for a while because she, she's all the time on the move. Um, she's fun-loving and doesn't meet strangers. Um, so that's our, our little family that God has blessed us with. And um, as we dive in, to what God um, might have for us this morning. I, I love to remind the church who we are. Who we are first, and then, then we can get into Scripture. There's a place in Matthew where Jesus and Peter are having this conversation. Um, and so I, I can say to you, we're glad to be here, but I want you to feel that there's a lot of disciplines maybe in my life that I'm not great at, that I want to be better at, Anybody with me? Like, there's some things that you know. I want to be better at a few things, but there's some that, that, I, that I'm, I think I, I kind of have a handle. And one of the disciplines that I, um, I'm relentless to make sure that I don't mess up um, is when I have the opportunity to address God's people. Um, I take it so seriously. Um, and here's why. In this conversation with Jesus and Peter, Jesus says to Peter, Upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to build it in such a way that even the gates of hell can't even stand up against it. And so I take away from that, church, this right here, any, any people in here are son and daughter of God? There we go. All right. So y'all with me. All of you who say yes to that, you are then Together, when we're properly functioning, functioning as the church, you are the most powerful force on this planet. And I believe that about you. I believe that about us. And then I get to come and address the most powerful force on the planet? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> that I would get to talk to God's people, that he would stir up something and do something incredible with his people. But I hold that dear that God would allow me to do that. And I'm humbled and proud to be able to say, all right, let's open then with some confidence. All right, let's open with confidence God's word. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an incredible, 
incredible. Now, it's Old Testament, and you know, stories don't seem to always connect and fit, you know, in like, man, that's a long time ago, but man, God's people, people have never changed. And the struggles that we have and the struggles that we face, they're not, they're not any different. Those people are people. And we're from Georgia. I'm going to be very careful not to do any sports references because I don't think it's going to go over well here. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. <clears throat> we're from Georgia, and I know that like North Carolina, like, like, we're all just people that are just seeking after Christ that we may know how to serve him and serve him better. So what we're going to do in the book of Nehemiah, I'm going to skip a rock across it. It's going to skip a couple of times, and then we're going to land it in chapter 4. Uh, but I want us to kind of like, just kind of, I want to give you a background, because maybe Nehemiah is not a book that you read all the time, or that you know a whole lot about. So I want to give us a little bit of background of what, what's taking place and what's going on here in the book of Nehemiah. So <clears throat> Jerusalem the church and the people, the Israelites. Now this is, there was the, the exodus, the Egyptian exodus, right, that happened. But then after that, there's actually a Babylonian capture and exile. So after that exile, so I mean, these people have been going through a lot of issues and a lot of struggles with their walk and trusting and believing in God. They are now back in Jerusalem, Right, so everything's kind of over, and they're back in Jerusalem, and it is in ruin. The city has been destroyed. It's, it's battle-worn. And here they are, and there's no walls in the city, which then was a really big deal. There would be no walls, and there was no defense. That, that means that they had no army that could defend themselves because they were just people like gathering back together. They were moving back home, and this is what they find. And so they're here, and they're living in just rubble, there's no economy. In fact, like people just took advantage of the, them. They would come and pillage them. The outsiders, there would be raiders that would come and, and just, when they would gain up anything, they would just knock them back down. And that was their life. And this is where we're at in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of them, but he's in a place called Susa. And in Susa, he is the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And that's his role, that's what he's doing. And he's there, and he then, if we can, we want to just kind of, we can go, go to that part of the scripture, but, but these people are in an incredible place of ruin, and the, the bottom line, like the, the messages I believe that we can pull out of Nehemiah, or the messages that I think that we can pull out are absolutely timeless to what we need today. And I believe there's some truths that we can capture because I can, this message and the, the, really the, the main major theme of Nehemiah fits and affirms with the front of your worship guide, your bulletin, that we are better together. That God's people, we're better together. And the problem that hangs in the balance when we don't recognize that God's people need to be for God's people, caring and loving for each other and being the church when it's Again, when it's properly being the church in a way that the gates of hell can't stand against it, then here's something that I would love for you to hear first. When we bond together, it has the potential to affect how a generation sees God. When we bond together properly, it has the potential to affect how generations see who God is. This is not Feel the weight of that. Because... Also within those ruins, 
right? There's grandparents and parents and teenagers, right? And kids, they're all there in this space. And how the, the adults, how the leaders who were trying to lead were leading in that space, if they do things the right way and lean back on God and say, all right, God, we're in this ruin. We're in a very difficult space right now. How they turn to God or don't turn to God has an incredible impact and a potential to affect how everybody else is going to see God. Like, so can you imagine, though, that as time continues to go on, that there might have been a little skepticism because they're hearing stories about God way back in the day rescuing his people. They can say things like, you know, there's this guy named Joshua, and he just blew a trumpet and won a battle. Everybody just yelled. If I could win a battle by yelling, I would do it. That's really weird, but all right. <laughs> but if I could do that, but they hear stories of God way back in the day, and they're like, but, but today, though, but today, but what about right now? And these kids, these teenagers, these, these the ones who were kind of just wondering because they've never seen that. They've only heard. It's only been rumors of God. I mean, you got Moses who can do something like raise a staff in the air and like a, a sea parts. That sounds awesome. And I want to believe that he can do those things, but I've never seen anything. And so this skepticism continues to set in. And their doubt. And I love, Wayne, like the songs that you chose today, like, it's like we talked about them and we didn't. It's so awesome. But all my fears and doubts, they're welcome with God. And when I'm able to bring them in and somebody proves that God is who he says he is, it changes everything because they can't stay long, right? They can't. But when that skepticism is not met with a proper turn towards God, then really what ends up happening is like the lack of evidence it validates the skepticism. A lack of evidence of who God is. If you guys don't see that God is real because people are turning to God and you see him moving and you actually have a personal, first-hand experience with God, that's just a big difference. A big difference between a second-hand religion and a first-hand faith. A second-hand religion, I was guilty of that. I went off to college. My father, he's a pastor, and so we, uh, warning, 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 preacher jokes, I'm sorry. Um, I was, my drug problem was I was drugged to church, right? And we were in church all the time, all the time. My dad would preach revivals and my family was going. And we were in church constantly and it was fine, it's fine. And I go off to college and there's this, there's this moment in, uh, I was at, in making it, Mercer, and we have this debate class. And the professor comes in very first day, um, and the chairs that we're sitting in are just in a big old giant circle, and there's this table in the center. And he walks in a little bit late, kind of, I guess he's trying to intimidate everybody, I don't know. And he has one of those big old honking Bibles. Do y'all understand honking in North Carolina? All right, so one of those big old honking Bibles, like, like way too big. And he slams it, boom, down onto that table. And he's... And this, again, this is not like a, a Christian class. This is not a, like a theology class. This is a debate class on literature. <laughs> and he says, first assignment that we're going to do is we're going to talk about the flaws of the Bible. I was like, ooh, 
this is going to be actually pretty easy because there's no flaws in the Bible. So I'm like, I got this. There's no flaws in the Bible. And he turns to me. He says, prove it. And I thought, because my dad said so? And I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I'm not gonna be, I mean, I didn't want to look like an idiot in front of all of my classmates and say, my, because my dad said there's no flaws in the Bible. Boom, that's not an argument. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. So I had nothing. I didn't know why I believed there wasn't no flaws in the Bible, because you know why? It was secondhand to me. I never tested it for myself. I never knew that, okay, why do I believe the things that I believe? I never even actually knew. So my faith fell apart. From that one moment, it was just one comment, and I had nothing. And all this skepticism started rising up in me, and it took a while for me to capture some remnants of foundation that I would have had in my life that would have said, okay, okay. Something's true, right? I mean, Jesus is who he says he is. Let's, let's, like, but let me test that. Let me question that. Let me, let me bring that doubt to the table and let him prove to me that he is who he says he is. And now I can walk with you through the things that I believe because I begin to learn how to test the things. God, but without that, if I could only in this space talk to you about God way back when, instead of being able to say to you, like, I've talked to him this morning. Like we've hung out already. And there's a big difference. It's a big difference in recognizing that God is who he says he is. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah hears this account that's going on, and he's burdened by it. And I want us to think, there's, there's a few points that I think that how Nehemiah responds how need my response to this would be some incredible things that I believe that God can do with us of how we need to respond to our families, to each other in the church, and then to this community. I believe this is incredibly important. <clears throat> and the first thing I want us to be able to, to see is a need seen is an assignment that's been given. This is how God works. He's built you up with talent and giftings. If you're a son and daughter of God, congratulations, you're gifted. So with that gifting, with that gifting, he's going to cause you to see things, hear me, that people beside you don't see. If you've seen it, it is never meant for it to be a platform for negativity because somebody else should do something. If you've seen it, there's a reason that you've seen it. And it's God possibly calling you to do something with the things that he's allowed you to see. That's what he does with his people. Like, if there's a painter that were to come to my house, I might not recognize some of the needs, but a painter's eye would be like, oh, there, we need to touch that up right there. Why would he see that? Because he's gifted in that way. A lot of other people may not see that. So in, in our spiritual lives, as God has equipped us and gifted us spiritually, there's things that you're going to see and recognize in the church you're going to see a need like, oh, what could be going on with the kids here? Like, why is that not happening? Hello, you've just been assigned. Instead of somebody should do something about that. Because there's a reason I think that God allows us to see the things that we see. 
And it's very important. So we look at Nehemiah 1, 3, and he gets this word. He says, and they said to me, the remnant of the province who has survived the exile, the Babylonian exile, so they're back in, are in a great trouble and disgrace. And Jerusalem's walls have been broken down and the gates have been burned. And he responds from this news in a deep spiritual manner. He learns about this need and this brokenness. And then we see in verse number four, it says, when I heard these words, this is his response, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for a number of days fasting and praying. And church, recognize that when we, when we get to a place of where we're in the need of a fast and a need of prayer, it positions us for what God would want us to do. And that should always be an internal thing that we do first. What do you want me to do with this, God? Not what somebody else should do. So he takes this and he is, he is positioning himself when he hears this devastating news about his people what do I need to do, God? Let me just be still, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to pray. But this, already, church, this is how we fight our battles. This is it. When something is going on, when a need is strong and we hear about it, the first thing that we do is we go to our daddy. Like, dad, he is the master of tough situations. I am not. So when a tough situation hits me, I want to go to somebody who can help me. And so I pray. I take it to him first. Say, okay, God, how do you help me to handle this? What do you need me to do with this information? How do I personally need to respond? So I go, church, this is how we fight. We, we go to the master of tough situations. We, we, we go to the master of fixing broken things. We go to the master of all power, this all-knowing, that has all resources, that can do all things. We go to him as the master of miracles because he can still do what he says he can do. He's still God and can do things that we can't do way outside of our thinking. Anything that we can imagine, he is bigger than that. I said this last night. No matter how big your God is, Right now, no matter how big God is in your mind, he's bigger than that. I don't care how close you are. He's bigger than that. Because we can't contain how big and how incredible he is. And so it's him that we go to when there's anything that, that comes against us or any trouble or any problem that we even see. It's him that we go to. And so then I would say to you, it's okay to expect miracles, but it's not okay to wait for one. Hear that, church. It's okay to expect a miracle because it's who he is. But you don't just sit back and say, all right, God, bless me. Bless this church without being a part of it. He's called us. I mean, if, this, if I could say well, we're better together when we, are, when we learn how to go and do something instead of sitting back and just waiting, waiting, all right, God, I'm going to come into this space and bless me if you can. Oh, but if we lean in on God, I promise that today, as much as you put into it is as much as God is going to bless you with it. You come in here expecting God's going to do work. He's going to speak. He's going to churn something in you. He's going to awaken you to something. That's how he works. He doesn't ever force anything on you. 
He allows us to be able to recognize him and just respond for him. And if we see him properly, we'll respond to him this kind of way. We will. We'll see him as the incredible God that he is, and we'll say, all right, God, what do you want me to do? And today, I hope that you're also, like, maybe there's already some things you're like, oh, okay, God. <laughs> like, and if I'm honest, like, if that's like a step on your toes kind of thing, I'm sorry about my aim because I'm aiming for your heart. Because <laughs> right? I think that that's what God would want to do is he's working our hearts and he wants to, like, I just want to be clay. And I want you to be clay so he can mold us and do what he wants to with us. Because it's in his hands. <laughs> so it's okay to expect that God's going to do a miracle in whatever it is that you're facing, in whatever trouble, and all the craziness that's around us in this world. It's okay, but we can't sit back. We've got to be a part of the process and allow God to use us. <clears throat> so let's bring this home. Let's bring this here. So if this church, if Ebenezer, is inactive to the problems that arise in this community, then Ebenezer, the church, then forfeits the credibility in the community. I say that again because that's a lot of words. <laughs> if the church is inactive with the problems of the community, you don't go to them. You're not broken about the, what's happening in community when it's things that God can clearly do. So when we're, when we're inactive with the problems of the community, then we forfeit our credibility to be able to impact the community. I've heard it said this way. I've heard it questioned, and it's a very sobering thought for any church to ask. If this church wasn't here, would the community actually feel it? a sobering question. It's one that every church can ask. And I wonder, like, are there things, like, of course, of course, is it this and this and this and this, because actually we're for the community, we're for the people. Because they're seeing God now, and if you were to go away, they would stop seeing God. Because you are moving and active towards letting them see that God is pursuing them or even pursuing each other and their families in here. So yes, there's a time to pause and allow God to show us <clears throat> the assignments that he's given and say, how then do you want me to respond? And there's a time for fasting and praying. And we can't outsource, we can't outsource kingdom work. It's for us. I want us to look at verse number 11, <clears throat> chapter 1. I'm going to read the, the whole thing. It says, Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. This is him still in response, right? Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Can I, can I, let's just pause for a second again. Realize that your prayers are just as powerful as God is. <laughs> because he'll respond like it's, you're tapping into him, the power. It's not us, right? So again, I hear me say this. It's not that we're powerful, but our prayers like, capture the ear of God who is. And he cares for the needs of his people. So your prayers are just as powerful as God. So let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight and revere your name. He's saying, God, I love you. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him. So, God, have compassion on me in the presence of this man. He knows what he's about to go and do. And the next line, your Bible probably separates this out because he's kind of like, all right, let me, let me just tell you a little something about myself. 
He says then, at, this, at the time, I was the king's cupbearer. And I think there's some things that we can pull away from understanding that he was the king's cupbearer. I think he's pointing out who he is because who he is, recognize, he's disposable. He, he's telling you also kind of who he's not. I'm not somebody. Right? It sounds great when you can put king in the title of your name. You know, like, I'm Nehemiah, the king's cupbearer. But the cupbearer was disposable. You know what the cupbearer did? He would test food, drink drinks before the king. And so if somebody was poisoning the king, he died. <laughs> Not the best job. <laughs> right? He was a servant. He was a slave. And he knew what he was about to ask this king. So a slave, very disposable, was going to ask the king for a vacation. If you're with me, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, slaves don't go ask kings for vacations. That <laughs> doesn't even make any sense. Like, hey, I'm going to need a little time off. Um, you know, I've got some relatives that are, you know, not doing well, and so I'm going to go see them. I hope that's cool with you. No. He realizes I can, I'm probably, there's a large chance I'm going to lose my life right now just because I'm going to ask this question. I want to be able to go to Jerusalem because my people are hurting. And because he was a doer and he didn't just sit back and go, oh, that's terrible what's happening over there in Jerusalem. Because he could have, right? He could have heard that news and said, oh, this, isn't that terrible? Man, they're just getting ravaged and pillaged. And man, it's just, it's, that's a bad situation. Somebody should do something about that. But he didn't do that. He put his own life at risk to an answer. He was going to go do something. He said, God, tell me what I need to do. And he said, okay, I have to go. And God in his only doing what he can do, the king responded. He said, sure, go. And on top of that, you have all the resources to build that city back that I have at my disposal. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's how awesome God is. When we just go do things. So in that moment, he didn't have to think about and tell about God from way back when. He had an encounter with God right there. A fresh encounter with God. And that preaches to people who was around him. He's like, hey, my God's real because he just came through today. He just kept me from dying. And he set in process this motion to rescue a group of people. This is going to be great. So he did. So, church, we must, like he did, one, when we see a need, know that it's our assignment that's been given to us. And we also, we leverage God's blessings over us. We leverage. So if God has blessed us with something, we leverage that. We use it. He didn't give you things just so you can have it for yourself. Right? I mean, that's great. And we should enjoy the blessings of God and thank him for those. But the gospel, oh, is, the gospel didn't just come to you and stop. The gospel came to you. The good news of Jesus came to you because it was headed to someone else. Who Jesus is wasn't meant to just stop right here. The good news of Jesus came to me because he, he wanted to go to someplace else too. And I can't just be a cesspool of the goodness of Jesus. I can't just be like, oh, thank you for all these blessings, God. 
You're so good. Lord, I need more of that. No, that's not what he's calling me. He's actually caused, he's like, all right, everything now that you've given me, because I know and I need to remember the most important things are the most important things, so there's nothing that's more important than, than Jesus' name and what he can do for his people in salvation and rescuing them in brokenness. There's, right, it's okay. Like, y'all got introduced and you heard my name, and it's probably okay if you never hear my name again. You're probably gonna make it. You're probably gonna be all right. You know, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but you're not going to be okay if you don't know Jesus. That name is a big deal. He is a big deal. And I want then to leverage everything that he has given me. Every position, every, all the, the status that you have, the resources that you have, the privilege that you have, the knowledge that you've obtained, the connections that you've had, the, the finances that you have, all all when you have yours and you have yours and you have yours and everybody brings that together and we are better together then the church then starts actually making a difference in the for the kingdom of god in the community and the world that's what it looks like i mean i i get to serve we have you know we have a few volunteers that are within our um our church and i get to i get to hear that there's this pilot that says, yes, I'll, I'll teach a group of 10th graders. All right, there's, there's a mom that says, I'll, I'll teach a small group of girls. There's a business owner that'll say, sure, I'll, I'll be a part of a greeting group. I mean, like, it doesn't matter the status. We just say, God, use me. I mean, we take everything that God has blessed us with and we, and we let, it, to, let it be used. <clears throat> Because his status as a cupbearer could have stopped him from doing something as he's scared. It's like, because if you really think about it, it's kind of crazy. Like, what can a cupbearer, when, when the assignment is, let's go do this incredible construction job and build a city, the first person that you're thinking about calling is not a cupbearer. <laughs> and he had to think that for himself, too. Like, what can I actually do? Like what, 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 what difference can I possibly make? I don't know. But let's just go and find out. And so you might think that of yourself. What difference can I actually make? Like I'm not really qualified for that. But if you've seen that need, you should probably step into it. Because you, then you know it was God. And he's about to do something incredible through you that you didn't believe was even possible. Because a cupbearer, eh. But a cupbearer in the hand of God endless possibilities a, a pilot okay great What's, what can a pilot do to do anything like maybe, other than fly a plane hopefully get me where I need to be safely thank you but a pilot in the hand of God endless possibilities a mom a business owner whatever it is whoever you are it doesn't matter. In the hand of God, he can do incredible things with you. And we must then just believe that God is moving us, opening our eyes to see things. And he's going to, the blessings that he's given us, if they can possibly be used, then let's allow God to use them. <clears throat> so he goes. Nehemiah makes it to Jerusalem. I would say 
there's something to be said about going, actually getting to the problem when you start, because it changes things in you. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip, like overseas mission trip? Awesome, awesome. How many of you have been in one like in the States, missional? All right, so every hand that went up in those moments in your mind right now, I bet if it was a place overseas that you have a little, there's like a, a special feel that you have about that place now or those people. Like you, you have a, a different compassion for them. You have a different burden for them because you can go to that place and you know those needs. You see and can think about the things that are needed and necessary. And it even happens with like causes. You see like ribbons on people's cars, pink ribbons. You know what pink ribbons are? Cancer. Terrible word. Awful. When we're close to something, when we get close to it, it changes the ways that we want to respond to it. If you've never been impacted and nobody around you has ever experienced cancer, then maybe you're not really kind of rallying around that cause. Probably not, and that's, that's okay. That's okay. Like, there's going to be causes that, that God is going to get you close to that's going to change your perspectives. Because proximity changes things. When you start getting close to the problems, you start seeing the needs. It starts changing who you are. We had a mom that volunteered at our high school, at one of the high schools in our community. Oh, man. I don't know if you've been to high schools and communities. Um, some, of the, some of them are pretty rough, right? What takes place? You heard Jeremiah say it's like dropping a kid off for an R-rated movie for seven hours. Like, I, I think I'm on board with that. I mean, if not, sometimes maybe even worse, right? But yes. But we had a mom that went and volunteered, and she saw some kids who had shown up to school, and they were clearly, clearly um, using some sort of drug, and they were um, not, not acting normal, rolling down the hallway, screaming, and and this mom saw this. She'd never seen it before. She'd just been at home, sending her kids to school and thinking that all is well. Get your education. Come back. How's your homework? Was, how's, how's this going? And like, that was kind of her norm. But she went, and her proximity changed everything. She saw some problems. And like, we, are, we just, as school started back, had this service where she's like, we need to get communities together to make sure that they're aware there's certain things that we can do. And in October, there's going to be a drug and alcohol awareness that's going to be where we're gathering churches together and community leaders together just to say, like, there's a problem. And this was all parent-driven because one parent got close to a problem and said, I got to do something. I got to do something. And it's incredible. I love. But if, but if every one of us were getting close to problems instead of saying, oh, man, that needs to, somebody needs to go. But if every one of us were to get close to a problem and say, I can make a difference, I don't, it doesn't matter my status doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter my title. I can make a difference. Because you in the hand of God, you can make a difference. That's who our God is. And I believe that we should. I believe that we should. And we're better together. And God's name can be seen. And who he is can be seen. And we're not having to say, God was good back in the day. But he's good today. 
So Nehemiah is there. He's close. He's making things happen. And a reminder that we are better together and how we do this will impact how the next generation sees God. And so he starts rebuilding the walls. That's the whole book of Nehemiah, just the process of him making this happen. It's pretty incredible, the wisdom that God gives him. There's actually some genius things that I believe that he does. Nehemiah wasn't skilled at running a massive construction project. (laughs) That's crazy, but he didn't have to bring in anybody either. So if I can get you to think about that for a second. He shows up, and if you know the end of the story, like they, they rebuild it. Like, he, he does it. Yay, he wins, right? So, so, spoiler alert, I guess. But like he, so, so he does it. But he didn't have to bring in any help. He didn't have to contract anybody to come make it happen. He, to, he didn't have to get a company with a big name on it to say, hey, can you come and like crane this rock and put it where it's supposed to go? He didn't have to do any of those things. He went into a community... And hear this, everybody that Nehemiah needed to rebuild that town was already in that town. Why was it already happening? Why wasn't? Because they clearly had the skills. They clearly had the capabilities because it happened only with the people who were there. So there was a whole bunch of people who had lost hope. I've seen it all over your church. There was a whole bunch of people who had lost vision, and they were actually in a place to where they were going to start to perish. Because without vision, people perish. And they had lost hope, and they had lost vision, and they, they, they were in a place of really just despair. And the next generations who were seeing this happen, they're saying, where is this God that you say is so great? And somebody comes in and starts saying, hey, God's, God can do this work, and he, and, he, and he doesn't need to bring in anybody else. And so what he does in this moment is incredible. So look, look at this. Look at this with me. I'm trying to describe this scene. <laughs> I described the scene. I, I'm pretty sure this is me, my, my little, little Turner version of the Bible, Right? I'm pretty sure that Nehemiah painted his face half blue and stepped into this moment. I mean, it was like, this is like a scene out of a movie, right? Yeah, it was was Braveheart reference. We're like, you'll take our lives, but, you know, all right. Feel this moment, because he's here, and he's, he's already got God at his back. There's already been incredible miracles that God has, like, Given him, and so he's in this moment, and he says, So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas, and I stationed them. Hear this, this is awesome. I stationed them by families. This is Nehemiah chapter four. Let me get you there. Let me get you there because you need to be able to follow this and mark this in your Bible and highlight this in the Bible and draw a little half blue face in your margin. You need to do it. (laughs) Nehemiah four. 13 and 14. Let's start that speech over. He said, so Ian himself, he's like, so I'm stationing the people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas. I stationed them by families. (laughs) This is awesome. I'm a next-gen guy. This is perfect. Families doing their thing. What they're called to do. Parents training up their kids and being examples to their kids. 
So I stationed them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And after I made an inspection, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, you just went Braveheart, I know it. Don't be afraid of them, the people who have been coming every day to take everything from us. Don't be afraid. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen. Fight for your community. Right? Fight for your people. Fight for this community. Hillsborough? Fight for Hillsborough. Fight for them and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your husbands and your homes. Stand up into the gaps. When you see that there's a vulnerable place, you have the ability, church, to step into the gap so that the enemy will not continue to attack God's people and beat them. He's, this is incredible what he's calling to do. He's saying, moms and dads, you see these places of vulnerability step into the gaps of the places so that the enemy will not continue to ravage high schools. When you see the needs and you act on them and God does incredible things with what his people are doing, when God does incredible things in his hand, and it's unbelievable because then we have God's stories to share, current God's stories to share. That changes everything because all the skepticism has to go away and all the doubts then have to go away. And God becomes very real because it's only him that can get this kind of glory. So parents, grandparents, got any GGs in here, some pop pops, some anybody? Like I had a Ma T. Yeah, she was awesome. I could go into her house. There's only like four rooms. Walls are like that thick. And I could hear her praying. <laughs> I still can hear her little voice. She was tiny. But she get a hold of God. And I can still, still does things emotionally for me to think about that my grandmother would stand in the gaps for me. Probably was a little bit of that remnants of foundation that I finally found in my life instead of falling completely apart and running from God because I didn't see him and know that he even existed anymore. But there's people that stand in the gaps. They did it for you. And we must be a people who will stand in the gaps and be who God is calling us to be and go. It's not somebody else's job. It's our job. Again, I'm not, I'm not political hardly in, in any way. But if we can, it's just maybe even like one that I can bring up. Like people have opinions about like welfare, how the government would take care of the needs of people. I think that that shouldn't even be a thing because God's people are taking care of people. Because I think if we were to do what we're called to do, we wouldn't have to outsource it to somebody else and then like not like the way that they do it. Because we can do it. We can. The church can be incredible and people will think, wait a second, this is this is God. His love for pursuit of people. His pursuit is relentless. He died on a cross. <laughs> and we're thinking that it should be somebody else's. He, it didn't, it's not supposed to end on us. <laughs> we need to go and love people. And when we see the needs, we respond to them. And we get close to the problems and see what it is that we can do. And we start making a plan and we stand in the gaps of the things that we find. And catch this. 
this is awesome. I can't, I can't say that at 100% that it would be true, but after that moment in the book of Nehemiah, when Pop Pops and Mimi's and all those were standing in the gaps, right? when they're there, the enemy never attacked again. I can't say that that's always going to be the case, but it's the case in this count. Because they said, think about this is the church being the church. The enemy knows if he can stand up against the church. He knows he's no match. I'm no match for the enemy, but the enemy is no match to my God. And when I just allow God to position me to where he wants me to be, I don't have to worry. It makes me think about this. So I have an older brother. We used to ride the bus. <clears throat> and on the bus, um, I was pigged on. Got pigged on and, you know, called names. And like, there was a few, like three or four guys even that would kind of get on board with it. But there's really just that one, you know, that one punk. Yep, yep. He probably has cousins that live somewhere up here, you know. Yeah, because there's always that punk, right? Y'all have people coming to y'all's minds, those punks? Like, <laughs> and he would bully me and call me names. And one day I was just like, stop it. I tried to fight back a little bit. This guy was older than me, bigger than me, and I was like, ah, I know I can't really do anything. So he's just like, meet me when we get off the bus. I was like, ah, I'm scared to death. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably about to go home with a, you know, some blood on me and a black eye. But, I mean, I had to get off the bus, right? I can't be like, hey, bus driver, can I go to your house today? Uh, <laughs> but I get off of the bus, and I make eye contact, because he's standing on the ground already. He had gotten off the bus before me, and then something actually changed. My brother got off the bus. He's five years older than me. He's bigger than both of us put together. And so I didn't know that it happened, but that guy's eyes went from me to him, and he was like, all right, and he left. I was like, yeah, <laughs> got this, man. I must be. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't me. It was who had my back. Right? It wasn't me. It was who had my back in that moment. God's for us. It doesn't matter what the enemy wants to throw at us. And when we can rest in how incredibly big and amazing that nothing, that the gates of hell itself can be attacking you, and it's okay. Because God's at our back. If we can remember that this is how we fight our battles, we go to him. We go to him, we go to him, we go to him. We can make a difference. We can go, and the generations to come will see God. And they'll fall in love with him because they'll see how incredible he is. And in this way, we're better together as God's people. So some questions. I think none of this is even worth even being here if we don't consider that there's some application involved. That we need to do something with this. Like, hey, it could be great. And I appreciate it. You're like, hey, you did a great job. Thank you. That's all right. But, but, if we do nothing with it, then it was just a, another sermon that you'll forget. Right? I asked one group, like, how many sermons do you remember that you've ever heard? 
Not many. Right? Me too. I'm guilty. But there's things that God has done in me in those moments that are still there. And that's what matters. How are you going to apply? What are you going to do with it is? Like, hopefully, you'll know and realize that you've been called to do something. Everybody's got to do something. Everybody can't do everything, but everybody's got to do something. So serve, love, respond. So what are the areas, some questions, some thoughts, what are some areas in your life that you've yet to surrender to? What are some things that he's brought to your mind that you've seen that you need to respond to? There might be a place within the church that you need to say yes to. Maybe it's the next generation. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's greeting. Maybe whatever. If you feel and you see that there's a need that something can be better, then you're the better. You're the answer. And you get to bring that. And you get to show what God is doing and birthing in you. And really, the second one in sobering, I would ask you to ask yourself, is am I living a life that's actually generating God's stories? Am I responding to God in such a way that my life is generating stories that are actually current God things that are taking place? Or am I having to continue to reach way back to the good old days when God used to do things? Instead of thinking that he's the same now as he was then, and he's going to be the same tomorrow as he is now, and letting that God be put on display and that this community can't deny our God. So let's pray together and get ready. And you think Bob's going to come. I'll be available. Love to pray with you. Uh, but as we pray, if we can get ready for just a time of response. So God, you alone are worthy. You're, the only name that is worth lifting in this space is you. So we know you position your people where you want them to be. And I pray, God, for just obedience. Obedience is so beautiful and it's to be celebrated so thank you, God, for your sons and your daughters who are willing to hear because there's a lost people. There's a lost person maybe even within this space that has yet to really seen you properly. They've seen versions of you that are weak. They've seen versions of you to where your people don't even recognize who you are to turn to you in times of need. So, God, we come to you as the God of the Bible that we see in the story of Nehemiah to where you do incredible things on behalf of your people that we may be able to stand in the gaps and do the work that you called us to do so that Lord, you can redeem the world that you love so much. We love you, God. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. 